next on the OHIO Podcast. We review Ohio State's dominant win over Wisconsin. Plus, we dive into whether or not Ryan Day is leaving the starters in too long. Also, why is the Big Ten so top-heavy? And that all starts right now. It's so easy to be average. You know it as well as I know it. It takes a little something to be special, Don. It takes a little something special to be a great player. We don't have enough great players. To hell with that! We don't want to coach average. I don't want to be around you. Why be around average? Be proud of our young people in the classroom, in the community, and most especially in 310 days in Ann Arbor, Michigan, on the football field. Three things. Number one, the team that hits the hardest and the longest, the team that starts the fastest, and the team is too damn smart to make mistakes. If you take it to them, if you don't make mistakes, and you keep taking it to them, hell, there's no question who wins. Buckeye Podcast, by fans, for the fans, where they hate that team up north as much as you do. It's time for the OHIO Podcast. OHIO! Welcome back to the OHIO Podcast, everybody. I'm your host, Buckeye Boggs, recording live from chilly North Central Ohio, a victorious North Central Ohio, where I'm joined by both my co-hosts this evening from Texas, Aaron... Don't call him Sergeant MVP anymore because he retired. Brown! <laughs> What's up, everybody? <laughs> and Chris, have you recovered yet? Well, I'll tell you, Eric, those, those Pittsburgh fans are wild, man. They wore us out last night. <laughs> but that was yes. so much fun. Oh, my gosh. I'm so glad you brought it up, Chris. We need to owe each and every single one of you who are listening to this podcast, who are part of the uh, OSU Alumni Club of Pittsburgh, a, a thank you from us and gratitude for being gracious hosts and allowing us to come to Mike's Beer Bar and be a part of your party. Um, short little preview. We didn't get a whole lot of time to give you a preview, but we did give you a little bit of a quick preview. We played games. We had a lot of fun. We sang. We danced. I mean, there was just a we whole lot of We had some great food, there. Eric. Let me just throw a shout out there to, to people at Mike's Beer Bar as well. They were Absolutely. awesome hosts, great food, just wonderful venue. Time and out. If, time, time, no, time out, time out. Danced? Oh, yeah, we danced. Well, what is there I video? Would call it, I would call it more like stomping. Ah, I still need dance. video. Uh, there might be something out there floating around, Aaron. <laughs> <laughs> that but, needs to go on the fan page. <laughs> <laughs> but I will say, man, it was awesome. And if you're a part of this and this is your first time of listening to our podcast because you received some of our info and you're checking it out, welcome. We're glad you're listening to us. Uh, we're going to dive right into the game against Wisconsin. And, man, what a game it was. Aaron Brown, your initial reactions of – I mean, it's hard to say – it's hard to be stunned because we're, we're, we're seeing this consistently from Ryan Day's teams. But I was a little bit stunned. 
Yeah, I I don't know if stunned. I don't know if I felt stunned, but I was like, yeah, I, I well, we'll go with stunned. That'll work. I Wisconsin's typically really tough on us, right? Like that's usually a difficult game, minus the twenty what fourteen Big Ten title game where it was fifty nine to nothing. But like this. I didn't see this coming. You know what I mean? 52 points on Wisconsin. Yes, it was home. It was a night game. The crowd was off the hook. But, like, I just – I didn't see this coming. Two rushers over 100 yards. Uh, Egbuka goes over 100 receiving. Fleming looked pretty nice. He put a nice little move on on a couple guys there. Uh, Cade Stover again, you know. <laughs> Uh, the defense, like I was super pleased with what I saw in the secondary. Looked to me like they were communicating. Uh, Tommy Eichenberg at linebacker, man, I, I I can't even. That dude is just a football player. I don't care. Like, <laughs> like the hits he was putting on people, he was all over the place. Uh, Tanner McAllister, uh, not even just because of the interception, but. Um, I think it was Skyler Bell. They threw a deep pass to him, um, and McAllister was, I don't want to say out of position, but he had to turn his body, and he made it like 15 yards and put a hit on him that jarred the ball loose. Like, just super pleased with what I saw last night. Chris, your initial thoughts of uh, the big victory, 52-21 over uh, Whiskey. Well, I'll tell you, Eric, first of all, it's closer – or I'm sorry, not closer – it was a bigger spread than I thought it would be. It really was, especially, and we talked about this a little bit on our ride back from Pittsburgh. If you would have told me we were going to go in there, not have Jackson Smith and Jigba, not have three of our top four corners, and Ohio State was going to have that kind of a beatdown on Wisconsin, man, I, I would have called you nuts. I would have. Uh, you know, Wisconsin, as Aaron mentioned, always plays us tough, and they just – they couldn't get it together. I mean, we kept kept Graham Mertz under 100 yards passing. You take away that big run by Allen, that offense only gave uh, only had 117 yards rushing on 34 carries outside of that one big carry on the second team. I, I mean, this defense looked really good. As Aaron mentioned, you know, Eichenberg is absolute beast. Cade Stover, where did this guy come from? I mean, I expected him to be a, a good blocking tight end. I really did. But let me tell you, I did not expect the offensive production that we're getting out of Cade Stover. Just amazing. Very balanced. You know, just a tremendous game. It was great. Cade Stover comes from the farms of Lexington, Ohio, baby. That's where he comes from. Where the cows don't take a day off. Where the cows don't take days off. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> and neither does he, apparently. That's right. Exactly. Big recruiting night last night, guys. So Dion Keeley, a five-star defensive end from Tampa, Florida, the decommit from Notre Dame, who's deciding between Bama and Ohio State, came back to Ohio State on his own dime after having his official visit for the Notre Dame game. I uh, thought that was big. They also had a four-star defense of tackle from Sewanee, Georgia, and Caden McDonald there. Uh, both those guys are in 2023 class. Then they had uh, one, two, th- three, five stars from the 2024 class. David Sanders, the number one player overall in the 2024 class. He's an offensive tackle from Charlotte, North Carolina. 
You had cornerback Charles Lester III from Sarasota, Florida there. He's a five-star. Justin Scott, a defensive tackle from Chicago, Illinois. He's a five-star. And then a slew of four-star guys from the 2024 class as well, uh, including a couple Glenville guys, Damarian Witten, uh, Garrett Stover, and then they had the the, uh, big tight end, from Chillicothe, Tavian Galloway was there as well, who is apparently a, a LSU lean. But given what's happening in LSU, I might think Tavian might be rethinking that a little bit. So big night of recruiting last night. Big game against Wisconsin. I loved what I saw. Um, I was re-watching it, Chris, ever since we got back here to Ohio. And I'm just even more impressed with the poise of C.J. Stroud and the run blocking that this offensive line is starting to do is 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 2024 esque. So we might dive a little bit more into that in just a few minutes when we hand out Buckeye leaves. But that's kind of my thoughts and my initial reaction from the game. A very, very, very good game. All right, that being said, let's go ahead and hand out our grade card. And you guys want to start with the offense or defense first, Aaron? Uh, we can go offense. All right, let's look at those offensive numbers real quick, should we? So, uh, 281 passing yards, 258 rushing yards. And like Chris and I were talking, that is very, very even. You know, uh, Urban used to always say 250 and 250. Well, Ryan Day did that yesterday. That's a total of 539 yards, and that number seems low because we've been hitting 700 yards recently. So 539 yards of offense is not low. That's 7.7 yards per play. They had 28 first downs, a third down efficiency of 7 of 11, which is great. Time of possession, 33 minutes and two seconds, and just the one turnover. So offensive grade, Aaron, what you got? I'm going to give them an A minus, and the only reason I didn't go with the A is because of the interception and the three penalties, and I know that that seems kind of like ticky-tack and whatnot, but I mean, to me, A, you know, A, A plus, that's perfection. Now, I'll be honest, I would have been lenient on the penalties if there had been no turnover, Um, and I don't expect perfection, but to get a hundred percent credit you know that's that's just kind of how it is but i'm going with an a minus this was a a a fantastic offensive performance chris your offensive letter grade well you know i like you eric watched some highlights when i came back watched a little bit of the game and you know i'm kind of with aaron here a little bit i went a i didn't go a minus but i couldn't give him the a plus and the reason was as aaron mentioned there was a couple penalties there was the interception, and then there was a few passes where CJ was a little bit off. Um, so I went with an A. You guys are tough, man. I went A plus. This is supposed to be Jim Leonard's amazing defense. Uh, he's considered the best defensive coordinator in the Big Ten. Uh, Jim Knowles <laughs> might have something to say about that. <laughs> Dang, you got I'm just laughing, man. I know. I got you laughing. Uh, I don't know, Aaron. I mean, I mean, you laugh, but Wisconsin traditionally has been very, very, very solid defensively. Um, so I don't know. I think I, I think that this defense for Wisconsin has some youth in it. I think they got they went through some growing pains last night in Columbus. But overall, I'm going to give that uh, offense an A plus. They came in, they ran their scripted initial drive to perfection, and 
outside of like you said, just a, 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 a hiccup here or there when the game was already out of reach. I mean, I, I can't fault that. A plus. That's a, that offensive performance probably wins you a national championship if you combine that with what we did in, with, on the defensive side, in my opinion. So A plus. Aaron, you laughed. I'll give you the I'll give you the opportunity to respond to that statement. Dude, to say Jim Leonard is the best defensive coordinator in the Big Ten, I mean, I don't know, man. <laughs> Jim Knowles through four games has shown me more. Well, I did say Jim Knowles might have something to say about that. I know, I but I, I know, but I'm just saying, like in four games, I think Jim Knowles is the best defensive coordinator. I'm not even trying to be a homer. I that's just my genuine thoughts because he mixes up the defense so well and does his thing with the talent that he he's received. He hasn't really even recruited um, a full cycle, I you know, so far, like a full calendar year of recruiting, you know, and and look what he's doing with guys that he's known for less than a year. He's killing it. You know, Jim Leonard's been at Wisconsin essentially his whole career. And, Seven years. Yeah, and hasn't done anything, at least in my opinion, this close to what Jim Knowles is accomplishing. I mean, well, I shouldn't say this close, but he's not Jim Knowles, okay? I, I just don't think he's on the same level, but he's not far off, I don't think. Keeping with the defensive theme, let's go ahead and give our defensive letter grade. The defense yesterday – Allowed 104 passing yards to the amazing Grand Mertz. <laughs> I Stop. say that sarcastically. Um, rushing yards, 192. Like you said, Chris, 75 of that came against the second string on one run. Total yards allowed was 296. Uh, yeah. Well, my, my math's wrong there, isn't it? No, no, that's right. 296. Yeah. 296 yards. They didn't even allow 300 yards, and 75 of that came on one play. Man, that's good. Yards per play allowed, 5.3. Yards, uh, first downs allowed, 11. Third down efficiency, 6 of 13. Uh, time on the field, the defense was out there for 26 minutes and 58 seconds, and they did create one turnover. Your defensive letter grade, Aaron. I'm going to go with another A-, minus, and, it's, and, and again, this is kind of just tough grading, okay? But I'm doing this because if I was a coach, this is, this is what I would do. The second string gave up 75 yards. Kai Stokes, that's a lot of that falls on his shoulders a little bit because he reacted too slowly and he took a poor angle. And that's what really sprung that 75 yards. Otherwise, that was probably a 10 to 12 yard run. And who knows? They may not have even scored. And next thing you know, it's 52 to 14 instead of 21. So um, let's say Tanner McAllister, Josh Proctor goes down and Kai Stokes gets his number called. You know, is that. Is that what we're going to see? Because it's you know how it is in Columbus. It's next man up. So that's why I'm going with an A minus. If you take away that 75 yard run, man, they're uh, I think they're about like 220 something yards of total offense. So that's why I'm giving them an A minus. They forced a turnover, uh, forced six punts. You know, everything you said, only 11 first downs. Um, The secondary was communicating. The linebackers were crushing people. Um, I just really enjoyed what I saw last night. Chris. Yeah, I'm not going to regurgitate at all, but uh, I went a minus as well. Um, that 75 yards. Yes, it was second string, but yes, it does matter. That's what really did it. That. And I'll tell you, other than that, I was really impressed. As I said, we didn't have our top three corners out there. And those young men did a pretty good job limiting him. What, uh, Graham Mertz did, uh, you know, 
as far as the, the defensive line goes. They only got one sack, but they were making life very uncomfortable for Graham Burks' backfield last night. So, yeah, I, I think you take away that 75-yard run, this is an A performance, but I'm going A-minus as well. Yeah, make it three for three, A-minus there. I, I'm not going to argue with you guys. I'll just reiterate what you said, Chris, that we had two first-time starting cornerbacks out there on the field. <laughs> and... Uh, didn't look like it, man. They played very, very well. And we needed that, man, because our, our cornerback depth is really taking a hit right now. Yeah. And it should be something we should be concerned about, in all honesty. So A-minus for me as well. Very good job defensively. Looking forward to seeing how they respond uh, and come back next week against Rutgers. All right, let's hand out some Buckeye leaves, shall we? All right, Aaron. <laughs> here we go i'm just this just is we'll just two or three on offense Aaron, because i it's have one offensive players of the game aaron <laughs> all right you asked for it bud cj stroud 17 to 27 281 yards five touchdowns that's the i think the seventh time he's thrown for five touchdowns uh, which is just ignorant, if you ask me. That's Madden-esque type video game stuff. That's crazy to me. Um, and then I got to go Travion Henderson and Mayan Williams. Uh, You've got two two running backs over 100 yards. And I would go Egbuka, but I feel like at this point I'm I'm just kind of pushing the envelope here. So we'll keep it <laughs> we'll keep it to C.J. Stroud, Travion Henderson, and Mayan Williams. Well, you know, they none of those three guys able, are able to get your Buckeye leaf if it wasn't for the five guys up front. Agreed. I was so impressed with the offensive line yesterday. They manhandled that game from the word go throughout the entire game. I'm giving my Buckeye leaf to the offensive line. Chris, your offensive uh, player of the game or players of the game if we're doing it Aaron style. You know what? I'm going to keep it simple. I'm just going to go with one. And he just really grabbed my attention yesterday. Yes, everybody you guys have talked about was great, but how about Cade Stover out there yesterday? Whether it was blocking or, like, like I said, Aaron, I think the guy spent more time on his head last night than he Oof. did on his feet. He got upended every time he made a catch. But I'll tell you what, four catches, 51 yards, two big touchdowns. I'm going with Stover. All right, let's flip it over to the defensive side of the ball. And, Chris, since you went last, you get to go first. Your defensive player of the game. Uh, defensive player of the game? Give me Tommy Eichenberg. The kid's a beast. 14 tackles. Seven of them were solo. Two tackles for loss. You know, he's developing into a really, really nice linebacker. So I'm going to go with Eichenberg. Uh, make it two for Eichenberg. Uh, I thought he was just great yesterday, so I'll, I'll give my defensive player game to him as well. Aaron? Make it three. Tommy Eichenberg. I, I feel like that's just undeniable. The kid just killed Wisconsin last night, all night long. All right, the offensive play of the game, Aaron. Uh, let's see here. I, I'll tell you, for me, I think that it was – I don't remember if it was Cade Stover's first touchdown – uh, or the second one, but uh, it was the one where C.J. Stroud like faked and made it look like he was going to run, which had my heart yeah. fluttering. I was like, he's going to do it, but he didn't. <laughs> <laughs> he flipped it over to Cade Stover, <laughs> uh, but I thought that was a really creative play, and I, I just I liked how that one developed. 
So that it's it was his first one is the one where Stover landed on his head. Uh, and so, yeah, that was my offensive uh, play of the game as well. So two for two on that one, Chris. Uh, yeah, we talked about it on the way here. Eric. Uh, you know, that was mine as well. Beautiful, Chris, the defensive player hit of the game. Go for it. I, I got to go with the interception. You know, at that point, that early in the game, that was a game changer. That was an absolute momentum breaker for Wisconsin. It puts us in a position to go up 14 nothing, and have the, uh, Wisconsin playing uh, playing from behind the rest of the night. Which they cannot do. They yeah. can't, I told they you all in the, in the preview, they cannot play from behind. Uh, I agree. Uh, Tanner McAllister, interception, defensive player that hit the game for me as well, given the Buckeye leap. Aaron? Um, so I had a debate in my mind about this, okay? Both of them would have been Tanner McAllister regardless, so he's going to get the Buckeye leaf. But I'm kind of stuck between the interception and the pass, the long pass breakup. I just – he read the play so well on the interception, but he made such an athletic move uh, going to break the ball up. I, I feel like I want to go with that one instead because both of those really – the interception shifted momentum, but the pass breakup kept the momentum if that makes sense. Sure. So, I mean, a long touchdown pass can can kind of hurt your confidence a little bit, but he made sure that didn't happen. So I'm going to go with the pass breakup. Beautiful. All right, we're going to take a quick commercial break. When we come back, we've got our Facebook poll question. We've got questions, and we've got a trip around the Big Ten, so hang tight. The OHIO Podcast is brought to you by Mastermind. Mastermind specializes in 360-degree high-definition mobile video mapping, GIS integration, and traffic safety studies. Mastermind cares about traffic safety and keeping you safe on the roadway. Visit Mastermind at OnlineMastermind.com. And welcome back to the OHIO Podcast, everybody. All right, we are going to now dive into this Facebook poll question. So, not to create a debate, but this one might create a little bit of a debate amongst us three. So we shall see who ends up tag teaming on the other person. The question is, does Ryan Day keep the starters in the game too long during blowouts, in your opinion? Your options were obviously yes and no. Chris, what did you vote for and why? I went yes, Eric, and the main reason is, uh, and we saw, I think it was Stover took a hit late yesterday. I was really afraid to put it down. Okay, whatever just happened just got yep, terribly just happened, worse. I'm hearing the feedback now, too. Like, really bad. There, we lost it. Is that better? Yeah. It, see, it's really weird. It doesn't happen when you talk, Aaron. Do you have do you have headphones in or anything? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Man. Weird. The only thing I can think of is the air conditioner, but it runs in the other shows too, and it's never a problem. So I don't yeah. know. It, but it it didn't happen until Chris started talking this time. Let's just start over. Okay. And welcome back to the OHIO podcast, everybody. All right. So let's dive into this Facebook poll question, and I don't mean to create a debate here but there's a very good chance that this ends up becoming a debate 
The question was, does Ryan Day keep the starters in the game too long during blowouts, in your opinion? Of course, your options were yes or no. Chris, what did you vote for and why? Well, Eric, I had to go yes here. And the reason being, uh, we almost saw it last night. Stover took, I think it was Stover took a hit late in the game. Had me really worried. Um, you know, when we get up three, four touchdowns and we are late in the third, early in the fourth, there's no reason to see the starters out there. Uh, it, it was just, you're, you're playing with your season at that point. We're already, uh, you know, short at certain positions, such as cornerback. Uh, we're, we're struggling a little bit with depth right now at the running back position with Evan Pryor already gone for the season. Uh, you know, we, we've got a Heisman Trophy candidate who, if he takes a hit, you know, not that I don't think Kyle McCord can't go out and win for us, but am I ready to say that Kyle McCord can win us national title? No. Um, so I think it's just too much of a risk. Now, we saw last week, uh, not the Wisconsin game, but the week prior, uh, we saw Denzel Burke on the field for quite some time, uh, e- even after most of the other starters have been pulled. Now, if this was a character building or a, I don't want to say a punishment, but if it's, hey, this kid is, is struggling right now, obviously he needs a little more, you know, a little more time, a few more snaps. That's one thing. But we saw way too many starters in that game way too long last night. Um, so for me, yeah, I think that we're leaving them in too long. Aaron, what did you vote for and why when it came to this debate? I said no. Um, but I also had a question regarding it. What are we considering a blowout? Would last what? night have been considered that? Yes. At what point? Um, I would say, in my opinion, and this is where the debate's going to happen. He left. He left Stroud in one series too long. Now I know he wanted Stroud to get that fifth touchdown. That's why he was out there, man. And it's about winning the Heisman. But I feel like you're jeopardizing your season, like Chris said, by doing that. Chris and I both at that moment were like, why are the starters in at this point in the game? It's the fourth quarter. You're up by four scores and you're leaving him in. Why? Well, I was I wasn't arguing so much as as genuine curiosity, like what you know, at, at what point are we considering this a blowout when it's 45 to seven? Or forty five. It was fourteen. It was forty five fourteen. Okay. There was there's no in my opinion there's no reason there's no risk of Wisconsin coming back and beating you at that point. I agree. I agree with that. Um, and I do think that a lot of it had to do with Heisman stuff. Uh, mm-hmm. But <clears throat> the reason I said no is because this is the fourth game, and I think that. Part of it is Heisman. I think a lot of it's Heisman, honestly. But I also think another part is JSN wasn't out there. And I think that even though, you know, last week against Toledo looked good, Toledo's not Wisconsin. It's not the same level of competition. Um, So I think that we needed to still work on developing some of our – I say ours like we're in the field, but I feel like CJ Stroud maybe needed to continue developing some rapport with like Cade Stover, Egbuka, uh, Fleming, who's only played in the like two and a half games out of the four. Um, so I think that there was a little more to it than just numbers, but now that they know that they have that rapport, that rhythm, 
Um, I don't think that we'll be seeing that for too like too much moving forward. Like against Rutgers, I don't think that's going to be the case, which I think that's going to be another blowout. But uh, I don't think you're going to see C.J. Stroud halfway through the fourth quarter again, uh, considering. Yes or no, guys? Is this? Do you think Ryan Day has a tendency to leave his starters in too long on as a whole? Not just yesterday as an example, but as a whole. Chris, yes or no? Uh, you know, until the last two games, I don't think I've really seen it. Um, the last two games, you know, and you and I uh, both had the opportunity to watch these together, Eric. Uh, I think Denzel Burke was out there a little long, but I understood that one more. Like I said, he's been struggling. He may have needed the extra reps to get back into his rhythm. Uh, but yesterday, uh, obviously, but overall, no, I don't think it's been a problem for today. Aaron? Uh, well, I think, you know, at the beginning of last year, we saw some similar stuff. You saw those guys playing a lot deeper into the games. Um, even if you remember against Tulsa, even I, th- I think even though that was like a semi-close game, but not really. I don't feel like we were under a real threat of losing it. Um, but, I, you know, towards the beginning of last season, I think we saw some similar things. And, you know, we played Rutgers. Those guys were out by the fourth by the fourth quarter. Um, and I think that we're seeing just the same stuff again this season, uh, just getting them off to a hot start. I think that there's a reason. There's a method to the madness. Um, do I agree 100 percent all the time? No, I, I, I'm actually with you guys. I think that they probably should have been gone by the start of the fourth quarter, but by the same token, they have to develop that rhythm. And even though it's like, well, he threw, we had 700 and something yards of offense against Toledo. Well, that's, that's good, but we didn't the week before that and the week before that. Now we've done it two weeks in a row against quality competition. Well, semi-quality competition. I think that they know they can relax a little bit now. I really don't think we're going to see it against Rutgers next week. So interestingly enough, guys, in this poll question, it is overwhelmingly in the percentage of no, which surprised me because I thought this would be more 50-50. And apparently no one sees it. And I'm like, I just – when you look at the health of this team, especially on the defensive side of the ball – there's you're running the risk of throwing your season away if someone like CJ Stroud gets hurt. The way we're banged up, I just don't understand the desire to leave them in for that extra drive. If it's strictly Heisman, I, I think it's I think that's bad. That's a bad decision. I I do. I now, I, hey, I, I want him to win the Heisman just like anybody else. But if it means losing the national championship, no way, man. I don't, I don't know. I, 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 I mean, without being in the locker room or have, being in those meetings, it, you know, it's, it's hard to say. I, I can't imagine Ryan Day would risk that for the Heisman, especially considering what you know Stroud has said in the press and the media. And I know that people can lie. I'm, I'm tracking, but. <laughs> You know, they've said it's not about the Heisman, and that that's kind of why I threw in, you know, the theory that I think that it's a, it's kind of about like developing the rhythm. Hmm. I, I just I'm shocked. I, I, I 
and maybe that's why Denzel Burke hasn't been playing up to par. You know, because well, we we kind of we jumped all over C.J. Stroud the first few games last year. Turns out he was hurt. Uh, Burke didn't play last night because he's hurt. So maybe he's dealing with some stuff in the first few games. I don't know. Uh, I I can't imagine a guy would take that many steps back through well, the off season. To, you know. The, well, then let me say this. Then if that's the case, Aaron, then why in the world, like Chris was saying, was he left out as long as he was last week? I don't know. I mean. It, you're up so hot, so much against Toledo. You've replaced every freaking starter on defense, and yet he's still out there. And now he's got you know a, a cast on his hand that looks like a club. <laughs> yeah. And he couldn't and he couldn't play. Like, and I'm not saying it happened in the game. It could have happened in practice. We don't know. You know. Right. Right. But still, I'm like, it just to me feels like, you know, they they they've created a more physical environment for these guys in practice we've already heard they're wearing pads two practices a week they've only been uh, in in the past they were only doing it one and i know they're trying to create a culture of toughness because that's how we got beat against that team up north last year i understand that but you have to walk that that thin line because now you're getting to the point where we're starting the big 10 schedule and even though ruckers is not um wisconsin or you know world beaters ruckers is also not a max school here They've got four-star guys and, th- and high three-star guys, too, and transfers. So th- they're going to come in, and they're going to lay their licks on you. Well, does, I mean, that I guess that would – this kind of goes both ways. You know, are they staying in too long, and are our practices too physical? You know, uh, That's a very good question. I mean, I would not be surprised if this week we hear that Ryan Day is going to give them an easier week of practice with only one day of pads. Well, I would not – Talk about the practices – uh, my understanding is that the uh, the club, as you called it, showed up around Wednesday, which is the first day of pad, uh, second day of pads. Yeah, Tuesday and Wednesday is their pads practice. Well, I mean, I don't know. It's it's hard to find things to nitpick, you know. And I feel like we might be nitpicking a little bit here. But that's kind of what we're supposed to be doing, isn't it? Like we're supposed to find these things where, you know, you need – like someone needs to go in and ask Ryan Day this question on Tuesday when the media is, is hey, Ryan, at what point, given the health of your team, do you scale back the physicality of your practices? That needs to be a question that's asked. Not because we're trying to do Ryan Day's job. That's that's not it at all. What we're trying to do is we're trying to find out the reasoning behind it. Because what if Ryan Day says, you know, we, we can't afford to do that because right now we're just not tough enough. There's your answer, right? Well, the other issue too is, is, you know, unfortunately, a lot of times the media is reactive instead of proactive. So that question won't get asked until the, the unspeakable happens, you know, well, you know, CJ Stroud gets hurt in the beginning of the fourth quarter against Rutgers. If he's in there uh, with a bit, with a sizable lead, um, it it won't be until that point that somebody in the media is like, Hey, coach day, do you think maybe you left him in there a little too long? You know, exactly. That's the unfortunate side of this. Exactly. So Aaron Aaron will ask it. If we get him into the press conference, this is damn right. I will. Aaron would ask, I would give him, the over under on questions that he would be allowed to ask before they would no longer call on him to ask questions is two. Two. 
I was going to say half of one. <laughs> they would start <laughs> questioning, and they were like, your question is done. On to someone who does not have a backbone. All right, so <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, what's really funny to me, and I don't know, this is kind of off topic, but what's really funny to me is go and listen to the opposing coach's press conference when someone from the Buckeyes media walks in on that press conference and asks, the, and asks that coach a question. They always ask the same stupid question. So uh, what did you think about the uh, your opponent today? Like, what Every do you time. think he thinks about it? Like, that's the dumbest question. Like, uh, yeah, they're they're they weren't very good. Like, no, of course they're gonna like praise Ohio State. He just got his butt handed to him. The question you should ask is you should go in and say, ask him why weren't why wasn't your team very prepared today to come into the horseshoe? That's the question you should ask. But no one's got the guts to ask a coach that because they're afraid that the coach is going to get upset and yell back at him like the, the media. But, hey, you're adults. You know, what What did Jim Gundy say? Come at me. I'm 40. I'm a man. And just not talk to him. I mean, yeah. I mean, come, oh, dude. Anyways. Hey, last week was the 15th anniversary of that press conference, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. He's. Dude, dude, that was epic, man. That was that was one of the greatest of all time. All time meltdowns. It was. It was great. All right, dude, Aaron, we got some. Uh, we got at least. I know we got at least one question. Can you break that thing down into a couple different parts for us? Actually, I'm sorry. It's gonna be on me, Aaron. Chris. I meant to say Chris. I, you know, Aaron's next. We'll get to it, Aaron. Sorry, Chris. <laughs> it's all good. All right. So we had one question come in from Brian Lee Oberts, and 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 let me tell you, Eric, guys. This question comes in in about four parts. <laughs> so we're, we're going to break it down a little bit because Brian, don't give us the easy questions. Okay, the initial part of the question basically comes down to this. Our youth on defense played a really good game, don't you think? So, Eric, I'm going to let you respond first. What do you think of how the defensive guys, specifically the young guys on defense, played last night? Well, I'll start off by saying this. I feel like the defensive backfield, which was when when the game started, and I told you, Chris, hey, we're without Denzel Burke. We're without Cam Brown. I I said, this is, this is going to be interesting now. Um, I was incredibly pleased. And dare I say surprised by the level of play that Jacqueline Johnson, who is, or JK is, as they call him, who is a red shirt freshman and Jair Brown, who is a true freshman, the level of play they gave us, because that was basically your fourth and fifth string quarter or fourth and fifth guys. So your second and your third string quarterback out there, starting for the first time in a college game and they played extremely well. Now I'm, I'm also not going to sit here and say that they're the greatest of all time because noodle arm back there at quarterback for uh, Wisconsin. I knew he was not going to be comfortable because we were going to get plenty of pressure on him, and he's not a very good quarterback. And I try to tell everybody that. So they look good. Um, I think that the defense is gelling. I think the young guys are really coming along and playing very, very well. I am super impressed with this freshman class. The more they play, the more I'm impressed with them, Chris. And uh, the future is very, very bright because I think the best players on defense 
in all honesty, outside of Tommy Eichenberg and uh, Hickman, okay, and McAllister, I guess, are sophomores and freshmen. Okay. Uh, Brian had also mentioned, you know, Tommy Eichenberg and how well he has been playing. And, yeah, he has been playing well. And I, I just wanted to throw this out there. Uh, because there was no real question attached to this. But let me tell you, Tommy Eichenberg, for those of you who, who are not aware, last year he had 64 total tackles, and he had one interception. This year, already through four games, Tommy Eichenberg has 33 tackles, already more than half of what he had for the entire season last year. He has two sacks, which is two more than he had last year. He also has seven tackles for loss on the season, more than he had the entire season last year. So, yeah, Brian, absolutely. Tommy Eichenberg really starting off to having a huge, huge season. But, Aaron, I kind of switched up. You know, usually I'll go to Eric for the uh, offense and you for the defense. I'm going to come at you with the offense this time. Hey, real quick, Chris, before you ask that offensive question. So, Tommy Eichenberg was in the class of 2019. He graduated from which high school in Ohio in 2018? Either of you know that without looking it up. St. Ignatius. Bingo. Cleveland St. Ignatius. Do either of you remember his national recruiting ranking by chance? Uh, That I don't know. Give me a range. What do you think it was? Somewhere around what? Uh, I think he was a four-star. Is that what you're asking, or you want numbers? He was a four-star, but nationally ranked. Do you nationally know what? ranked? I'll go. I'll f- oh, two hundred. I was okay. gonna say around two sixty. How about three twenty-seven? Wow. He was a low four-star. Dude mm. has played very, very well. Again, what do we always say, guys? Four-star kids in Ohio are not built the same. They are tougher. Because you have to play high school football in the elements in Ohio. These kids are tough. Facts. All right. So, Aaron, here we go. We know that everybody is now referring to us as wide receiver U. Might we need to start calling us running back U as well? We seem to have two of the best running backs in the nation. Do you agree? I do agree. Uh, but let's, you know, let's I always say that the play starts and ends at the line, what, no matter what side of the ball it's on. Um, but let's give credit where it's due, man. The talent on the offensive line and the coaching that they're receiving is is next level. That is, it's top notch right now. And that that helps. OK, it, I, it, let's look at the 90s. Dallas Cowboys, for example, we probably don't know who Emmett Smith is if it wasn't for that monstrous offensive line. Oh, yeah. So I'm not going to sit here and say we don't know who Mayan Williams and Travion Henderson are. You know what I mean? But I think that that contributes largely to their ability to like lends to their ability to show off the skills that they actually have and, and just the, the the difference, the change of pace that you get. Uh, from from Henderson to Williams is just night and day. One is a downhill physical, like doesn't care if you're six foot nine and four hundred pounds. He's going to try to run through you type of dude in in Williams versus a one cut 
ridiculous speed having person <laughs> like Henderson, you know, uh, you give him just the littlest of spaces, man, and he's going to get through it and he's going to make you pay for it. So, um, yes, I, I think that we do have two of the best running backs in the country, even though I think Williams was a three star out of somewhere in Cincinnati. Um, mm-hmm. yep. but, but buddy, he is not playing like it. Not Mm -mm. one bit. He is one of those guys that has come to Ohio State and worked his tail off, and he is showing you what he was truly capable of. Do you remember what school he was committed to before he decommitted and became a Buckeye? Wasn't it Cincinnati? No. No, I I can't remember. Chris, do you remember? I do not. Iowa State. Was it really? Mm Mm-hmm. Well, I'm glad he came here. Yeah, he was going to be a cyclone. All right, so uh, here is a question from Scott Rogers. Sorry, Chris, did you finish that up? I did, Eric. Go ahead and uh, let's have the uh, email question. So Scott Rogers uh, actually posted this question to us last week, but it was after we had already recorded, and I meant to get to it in our in our uh, Thursday show and forgot, so I apologize, Scott. So we're going to answer this question now because it's still relevant to what's going on, and we kind of addressed it a little bit in our preview show. But Scott says, do you think Knowles has showed everything on defense at this point of the season, and, and he's getting the right pieces in place so they can <clears throat> put it all together come this weekend? Well, obviously, I would say that that kind of answered itself a little bit yesterday, but – uh, what what percentage of the defense, Chris, do you think has already been installed at this point of the season? Honestly, I think it's probably somewhere between seventy five and eighty percent. I don't think, and I think that's what he's taught these guys. I think that's what he's installed. I don't even know that we've seen that much of it, but I think that's probably where we're at is at seventy five to eighty <laughs> percent. This reminds me of when he brought that up with the media this past week, and then they they followed that up with Ryan Day, that he has plays that he's not even shared with Ryan Day. And Ryan was like, news to me, man. Like, like this guy, this guy is different, Aaron. Like, he he's a single man. He practically lives in the Woody Hayes Athletic Center. He locks himself in his office for hours at a time, drawing up schemes and plays and, and uh, uh, game plans. The dude is – they literally call him a mad scientist on defense. So what's the next step from here? What's the evolution of this defense do you think we're going to start to see? Buddy, I <laughs> – I couldn't even begin to tell you. <laughs> I could. I say that because I don't know what direction he wants to go. Because and the thing is, is like this is so week to week. You know what I mean? You can't like have a single trajectory towards one thing. Like unless it's that team up north, you know, which that's you're preparing for that 365 days a year. So I'm a hundred percent sure he's watching film on them and developing things for that for that week specifically to uh to have planned out but like every week before that is just so different you know um isn't it though like every week we look at the defense feels different doesn't it every week they're getting better they are and i mean that's more of a skills thing an installment thing but like as far as his planning goes like it's just you can't do the same thing for wisconsin that you do against 
you know, Rutgers or, or Sparty. Uh, it's it's so different, you know, but it, it just depends. Like inside outside zone is a staple of spread offenses. And, and that's what we see week to week. That's just how it is nowadays. Um, so, I mean, you can always prepare for that. That's that's a no no brainer. But you look at um, the, the blocking schemes and that's how you prepare for that. Um, but that's again, that's pretty black and white. Um, but like coverages, mixed coverages, disguising coverages, um, alignment, that kind of thing, it, that can all be different. And it all depends on how well your opponent throws the ball. You know, like if you go up against Alabama, you, you should probably switch up your alignments, your disguise, your coverages, but against Rutgers, you don't really need to do that. So against Iowa, you don't really need to do that. So he's not going to show that to us unless he absolutely has to. I think that he has installed close to 100% of his playbook, but he's not going to show us everything that's in the book unless he has to. And why? Because then it's on film. And then his opponents have, have you know, if, if he's keeping it from Ryan Day, he damn sure don't want Nick Saban to see it. <laughs> so that's, you know what I mean? It's, it's hard for me to sit here and be like, he's going to go in this direction. He wants to install this specific thing because it's, it's different week to week. So let me ask you a, a, I guess, a schematic question. I noticed in the rewatch, Aaron, that Wisconsin's offensive line was just getting, they seemed so confused on what we were doing. And is it just because our defensive line is able to um, – win man-to-man battles so easily that they're in the backfield that it just creates kind of like holes for the linebackers or for for Jack Sawyer to just run through to create extra pressure or what how why is why is it seem why did it seem like yesterday Wisconsin's offensive line was just so stinking confused I don't know if they were like necessarily confused I, I think they were a little bit, but I think a lot of it is the physicality that we're bringing. Uh, yeah. I don't think they were expecting to get punched in the mouth that often, that early, that often. Um, but I, I think a lot of it, too, is, uh, you know, we're doing different things. You know, you saw the linebackers moving. They're not just stationary the way Wisconsin's were. Wisconsin's didn't really move around a lot. Um, but when they move around, that creates confusion. Is, is Tommy Eichenberg blitzing? Is it going to be Jack Sawyer? Is it going to be who's it going to be? You know, who's dropping into coverage? Who's slanting? Who's stunting? Uh, we do all those things now. And, and it, it that that does confuse them. And then when you throw in that we're that physical, uh, that makes people scared. And all of a sudden they're questioning their their ability, their skills. So I think that had a, all of that had a lot to play in it. Very good. All right, man. So thanks for that. Uh I guess we're ready to take a trip around the Big Ten, Chris. Aaron, are you ready to tell Chris and I what happened yesterday? Because uh, I've seen some scores, and I'm still shaking my head a little bit. And what in the world is happening in Northwestern? I, dude, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> I wish I had an answer for that, but I don't think our one of our favorite Big Ten coaches is going to be there for much longer um, if this stuff continues. But we'll go ahead and start on Thursday, September 22nd. Illinois played Chattanooga, and they won 31-0. I didn't even know Illinois was capable of scoring 30 points. So that works. Uh, (laughs) uh, Purdue survives Florida Atlantic 28-26. Miami, Ohio 
is the game that Eric is referencing, guys. Miami, Ohio takes down Northwestern 17 to 14. I don't even have words for for that. That's it's a MAC team, and I'm not trying to take away from Miami, Ohio, but there's a reason that that conference is viewed as lesser than. And unfortunately, I'm starting to think Northwestern probably belongs with them. Um, but moving forward, Iowa for the first time scores more than one touchdown or two safeties in a game, 27 to 10 over <laughs> Rutgers, <laughs> Cincinnati destroyed Indiana 45 24 uh Minnesota looked really good uh against Sparty man 34 to 7 uh but I think you I think that what we're seeing with Sparty is is like last year I think a lot of those guys are gone now and those kind of like I don't want to call it a a a one-hit wonder but that's kind of what it's kind of looking like now uh Sparty just isn't isn't as good as last year by a long shot um, and it's it's kind of funny because they just gave uh, Mel Tucker that extension too. <laughs> oh, they're in trouble. Uh, Penn State takes down Central Michigan, thirty-three to fourteen. Maryland gives that team up north all they want, and that gave me a ton of uh, hope—not hope, but I don't know how to describe it. it. It it definitely showed that Jim Harbaugh's team is not not all that. You control Blake Corum. And I think that Maryland was going to win that game. Uh, their inability to to stop him is what cost them ultimately. Uh, but that team up north did pull out the victory, 34 to 27. And wrapping it up, as we all witnessed, Ohio State 52, Wisconsin 21. So here's the deal. Chris and I were talking about this. The the Big Ten should be literally the big five at this point. Are you ready for this? You've got Ohio State, team up north, Penn State, Minnesota, and Maryland. I'm going to throw Maryland in there. Can you name me who you think is the next best team after that? In the Big Ten? Yeah. Michigan State stinks. Yeah. Iowa stinks offensively. Indiana just got beat by Cincinnati. Again, like, Eric, I really believe it's Illinois. <sighs> we'll see I mean, on the rankings. <laughs> I mean, I'm sitting here trying to put the power rankings together, guys. And the first five is pretty easy. And then after that, you're like, it might be Illinois. Like, Yeah, that's crazy. Is, I mean, do we put Iowa back up there? I mean, they were terrible. But they do have a championship defense. But there's two sides of the ball. You know what I mean? Like there is. I would say it comes down to Iowa and Illinois at this point, though. Oh, this is bad, guys. I don't have an answer. I really can don't. You, can USC get here sooner, please? And UCLA. Although USC tried to give it up last night to uh, Oregon State. Oregon, Oregon State. State. Yep. Uh, okay. So right now. In the, I think it's the coaches poll. Four of the top, four of the top fifteen teams in the nation are from the are from the Pac-12: Washington State, Oregon, uh, USC, and Utah. Outside of Ohio, the four of the Ohio State, Minnesota, Michigan, and Penn State, I would put those four teams in front of anybody else in the Big Ten. 
and that should yes. not that should not be happening at all. Well, it, at least uh, two of them are probably going to end up Big Ten teams. We know one for sure. This is true. I, I get that, but I, do you see what I'm saying? Like, like the Big Ten right now is going to get. They're going to get the reputation again of being very, very top heavy because the bottom <laughs> of this conference is just not holding up its weight. Well, look at not to change it, but comparatively, the SEC is no different, and they're they're the best conference that the world's ever seen. You could throw <laughs> half of them in the NFL, and they'll Aaron, make the playoffs. They've got one Vanderbilt, and right now we got six of them. I don't we know, got, man. Auburn looks like trash. Uh, Mississippi State's not all that. You mean uh, to tell me you think Auburn isn't better than most of the Big Ten, majority of the Big Ten? Aaron, we're, Aaron we're bad. We're bad. <laughs> we're, we're bad. Like, I know. We're losing to Miami Max of man. Ohio. Oxford, Ohio. You ever been to Oxford, Ohio? Okay, but look at Kent State gave Georgia a fight. Okay. That is true. It's hard to argue that one. But, oh, my gosh. This is – I'm just saying. It's it's not – I don't think it's as bad as you guys think it is. I think that it's it's – comparatively, it's not that dissimilar. I'm not saying if we went – if we took our crappiest teams against the SECs, I'm not saying that we would win it or that it would even be tied, but I think that it's, com- it's comparable. Okay. We're top-heavy. Okay. Okay. Here's how bad we are, Aaron. Are you ready for this? What's happening? Northwestern just lost the last two weeks to teams that have no business even being on the same field with a Big Ten team at all, and they're not even the worst team in our conference. That's Nebraska. Because they beat Nebraska. The same team that just lost to Miami of Ohio beat Nebraska. Yeah, I mean, uh, I mean, it's it's the big it's it's you got five really good schools, you got some really bad schools, and then you've got some schools that are literally Porta Johns right now. Hmm. You know, I would take the top five in the Sun Belt over our bottom five. I would. I, I think I, so. I think I, I would even, as well. I don't even know. James Madison, Old Dominion, Ar- Arkansas like, State. I don't, I don't even know who those top five schools are, and I would, I would, I'm going to automatically say yes. That's how, that's how bad I feel the bottom of this conference is right now. Literally, given given some of these teams' schedules, if if we were to play. Rutgers, Northwestern, Illinois, Michigan State, Iowa, Nebraska, Indiana, and we're going to get to play a lot of those guys coming up. Like, CJ might not play. He shouldn't probably play in the second half. And in all honesty, like, if he wasn't going for the Heisman, I would not be against Aaron if he wasn't feeling 100% of just, like, not even letting him play in some of these games. (coughs) Just be like, all right, second string, let's see what we can do. Because it's it's literally PlayStation, dude. I know. I know. It's and that's I don't even know how we got to this point. Again, right, right now, you know the I mean? last place team in the SEC is Florida. Florida plays Nebraska. How does that look? How is Florida last place? They are two in the cup. Two and two. Two and two yeah. overall. No team in the SEC has worse than a two and two record overall. Huh. 
And Florida's two and two overall as well. They're two just and two overall, and two. overall, and zero oh and two in the conference. Okay, because I feel like they would probably beat the brakes off of Vanderbilt, but I get what you're saying. Well, yeah. they will eventually. You're right. Man, I don't know. <laughs> Feels right, like gonna, you're right. We, I'm going to reveal my power rankings right now, real fast, in, in closing here, because I, 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 again, I've struggled with this all day thinking about this. Here we go. Number one, I got Ohio State. Number two, team up north. Number three, I have Minnesota, but I've had Minnesota at number three the whole time. Number four, Penn State. Number five, Maryland. All right. Number six, I've got. I'm going with. Iowa, because I just can't put Illinois there. Number seven, Illinois. Oh, this it's gross. That's just <laughs> gross. No, number eight, I gotta go with Wisconsin, even though they were eight last week. Even though we just beat the brakes off of them. Number nine, I'll go with. Um, number nine, I'm gonna go with Purdue. They're two and two, I guess. Where are we at? Ten. Number ten, I'll go with Rutgers, I suppose. No, I'll go Michigan State ten. I still think Michigan State's better than Rutgers. Eleven Rutgers. And let's see. Twelve Indiana. Then thirteen Northwestern. Fourteen Nebraska. So so literally, after the t- first five. It's it's throw throw them in a hat and then see what falls out. Is it not? It is. I yep. can't can't debate that. All right, guys. Well, that'll be interesting to see how everybody else votes in the power rankings uh, over the next couple of days. So we can reveal that on Thursday. Uh, again, if someone has anybody other than those top five in the top five, I'm going to I'm going to pitch a fit because it is so clear and cut. Who the top five best teams are in this conference. It's not even funny, but I digress. All right, that's our show, guys. Thank you so much for tuning in. We will preview Rutgers this Thursday. Be sure to check that out. Uh, Chris and I will actually have the last episode of Varsity Videos for Season 3 coming out on Tuesday. We will be revealing our 2022 64 Sports Movie Champion. So be sure to check in for that. And uh, until next time, be kind to one another. I have someone's OH just in Carmen, Ohio with all your heart. Until next time, OH! IO! Go Bucks! Oh, come, let's sing, oh, Hyo's praise and songs through Amamaterain. While our hearts rebounding thrill And joy which death alone can still Summer's heat or winter's cold the seasons pass, the years will roll. Time and change will surely show how firm thy friendship. Oh, how.